And that's the part that it really should be. It was interesting, I saw in the news earlier that um, there's a gal who is a city clerk and she is looking at possible legal action because she's refusing to marry gay couples. And so, on the one hand, you think, well, that's so powerful, someone living their convictions, which is a public servant, so how's this going to play out and what's the government going to do? But then what was discovered as they dug into her history in the media is that she's been divorced three times. So, again, to what Jimmy has said about just because I may sin differently than you doesn't give me the right to judge your sin. So here we have somebody who's saying, I will not, I will not marry a gay couple because it violates marriage, but it's someone who's been divorced three times. I think one of the tools that the enemy's using right now is he's getting us distracted by, by what's happening geopolitically in our country about marriage, and we're all getting freaked out. But if there's anything to me that sidelined the idea of what marriage was intended to be, it was Christians not being able to get their marriages together and to work over the last half century. I'm telling you, when you talk about we're supposed to be the lie of the world, you know, the salt of the earth, you're the lie of the world in that shining light, letting people know there's a better way, you know, the salt of the earth making people thirsty for God. I don't know a better way of doing that as a grown-up than in our marriages. For people to look at all the marriages that are struggling and then to look at ours. I mean, you know, I'm from the St. Francis of Assisi school, you know, that says preach the gospel always and when necessary use words. I think our marriages can be the single most powerful witness that we have. Without saying anything. Other than people notice we respond differently to each other. We have different expectations of each other. There's just something. When I became a Christian at 15, I went to a youth camp. And I saw 400 some odd kids that had something that I didn't have. And that was my motivator. It was like, uh, whatever they're drinking, pass it over here. I want that. Because I, I saw in their face and I saw in their voice and I saw that I wanted what they had. That's what our marriages can be to the people that we work with. Uh, they see our marriages and then they look at the other marriages that they know. What a powerful witness. It doesn't mean that our marriages are going to be perfect. I mean, probably in this room, Beth and mine is the only perfect marriage, and she makes a ton of mistakes. <laughs> so it's not that we're ever going to have a perfect marriage, but they can see a difference. And just like I did at that youth camp, so what's going on? I, I wanted to know, and I started asking, what's taking, what, what is this? What is going on? People can ask us, what's different? What is different about you? How come... Everyone else responds this way, and y'all don't respond this way. Uh, our marriages can be an extraordinary witness uh, without us saying anything about God. So speaking of marriages, I want you to tell us your love story with that cute little blonde over there. And then, as an addendum to who y'all are and how you met and kids and all that, I want to hear about your most hilarious fight. <laughs> Um, we are living proof that the University of Texas does good research. Uh, about three years ago, the University of Texas did a, did a study, and it shows, quite ironically, 
that the earlier two people get married, the more successful their marriage is. Which again, that doesn't sound necessarily right, right? Any more than if you live together before you get married, you have a much higher divorce rate than if you don't. That doesn't sound right either. The whole try before you buy it thing, you know, sounds, it makes sense. But we got married the day I turned 20. So I've really not had an adult thought as a single person. I was a teenager living in my mommy's house, and then I was one day out of a teenager living in Beth's house. And so we literally grew up together. And that was the whole point of UT study, is now the average age is pushing 30 years old. There's never been a culture on the planet that's average age of marriage is 30. Never done this before. Never had puberty hit at 12 and you get married at 30. And so what they're finding is, is these 30-year-olds have spent over a decade establishing and forming their own independent lives with their own priorities and their own, you know, a, a sense of right, right. They, they organize their own houses, what's important to them. And then at 30 or 32 or 33 or 34, to then mesh those two independent lives that have been established for over a decade is difficult to do. A lot more difficult to do than we ever understood. So that's why we've been together now for 35 years, is because we were babies and we simply grew up together. We had three children by age 24. We then discovered, a lot quicker than you did, uh, what was causing that. And we got hoodie pajamas and double beds and done. Absolutely no more kids after that. And uh, so going to seminary, going to you know, grad school and in college and, and all of this just with babies stacked on top of each other in bunk beds, we just grew up together. Um, so when, you know, in my head where you, you know, you have these schemas where you put things in order, uh, Beth was as much a member of my family as my sister or anything, because I mean, she's been in that position in my life. When her mom passed, how many, four, three years ago, I made the comment at her funeral, my mom died when I was 22, so Beth's mom was my mom longer than my mom was my mom. We've just been around forever. And so part of this and, and, and what I love about our marriage is we've been together for so long and since we were so young, it, it's very difficult sometimes to make um, a me into a we. When someone says, hey, you want to play golf on Saturday? I'll say, just, I, gotta, I need to check with Beth. <laughs> oh, 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 gotcha. <laughs> the old ball and chain. Okay, you feel the need to call and ask mama if you can go play. And I went, well, actually, it's, um, it's called common courtesy. Because I don't know what's going on. And I mean, and I've, been, I've, done, I've now done that for 35 years. I don't even think, I don't even think of, what do I want to do? That, I just never even, my mind doesn't even go there. So our... Morphing our me's into we's was pretty easy. Uh, my me, I don't think exists anymore. 
<laughs> no, seriously, I don't think my me is still here. Because it's just, and then you have kids, and your me gets even littler. Uh, now we have three, about in a few weeks, we're going to have four grandchildren. <laughs> my me is like microscopic. <laughs> if you had an electron microscope, you might see my me. Um, but the thing is, and that's what I would talk about parents, you know, when, you, when they roll that little baby out in the hospital and there's that little thing and what happens to your heart and that connection that happens, and you say to yourself, you know what? That is going to be the priority of my life. And I take a back seat to this little person. And what's odd is that's the coolest thing I think I've ever heard in my life. Because it's not that, well, no, y'all know some people who resent being a parent. That their parents, their children are a huge inconvenience to the life that they want to live. That's why we should have a, a, a human spading and neutering. It's for people like that. And if we could take them against their will. And just so that doesn't happen. But most of you guys understand this idea that, oh my gosh, I don't resent the fact that my me is getting littler. It's the greatest thing. I mean, in college, where, you know, because Sarah was born my junior year of college. And guys would go, hey, Myers, do you want to go? Oh, uh, you know, I forgot. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, okay, I'm sorry. Myers, you got kids. And, you know, they felt sorry for me. And as I, I was sitting there just blowing on her stomach and just staring at her for hours on end. I felt sorry for them. So you sort of get, as you, as you grow up together and, and your me getting littler is just fine, um, life together is simply what life in this planet, on this planet is. And for that, I'm very grateful for the journey that we've taken. Because when I see so many people in my office, you know, when I try to relate, I'll go, hmm, I don't understand. I don't understand. <laughs> I try to, I just don't understand. Um, because they're making me decisions, and I'm going, really? Tell me, what's that like? That's so true. So, that's where we come from. You know, Beth and I come from a place of just being welded together for as long as we can both remember. And for that, and for our relationship with God, I'm so excited that that's the way we look at our lives. Uh, you know, I, I, we both avoided sort of midlife crises, except for my tattoo. <laughs> Randy knows about my tattoo. It's right here, right above my hip, right back. A scorpion with, with a Bible in one picture. It's awesome, really. But we both avoided. I would if you wanted to see. It. I'd see it. Yeah, let's see. Here's the disclaimer I forgot to tell y'all. Uh, when Duke and I teach class, we wind up, we let Jim go, and then I, I spend time apologizing to you. So if you have but I have not said penis one time. <laughs> not once. Which is why Randy's in here. He's got a counter. He's got a clicker. How many times is he going to mention a genital in this room? I'm sorry. And he just cuts it off. We made it to 738, Pastor Randy. But anyway, so that's where we come from. And that's where we come from in marriage. You know, Beth and I, we don't ever, especially in my office, there's never a, a point in time where you're telling someone 
how to be married well. Um, it's, it's just about loving God more than you love yourself. And knowing that when you love your spouse, you're loving God. Because they're the same thing. Mm -hmm. So when you don't love your spouse, you're not loving God. Um, which is why I think that Paul uses marriage as this living, breathing object lesson for Christ's relationship with the church. Because on earth, it's the closest thing we have. Well, Mike and I have been married for 26 years. Together, 28, we started dating. We are also one of the UT age little research moments. Um, I was 21 the day we got married. Mike was 22. And within 15 months, we had our first child, Madison. However, while Jimmy's knee may have shrunk, mine and Mike's was, we each had quite large knees. And we, uh, at times, have had quite a bloody battlefield of a marriage. Mike's a very ambitious guy, he would tell you this. Uh, I am too. The collision of our two big personalities was quite traumatic at times. We both think that Madison really helped kind of hang us in there together in early marriage because we're you know, about 10 years behind you guys, and we were real circus freaks in college when we got married. Mike was in his senior year. And at Mike's graduation, I was ahead of him by a year in school, and at Mike's graduation from college, I'm like three or four months pregnant. I'm grinning really big. I'm already in the maternity jumper that was denim, because that was the thing back then. And Mike's in the middle, and Mike's mom and dad are on the other side of Mike, and they look completely stricken. Like, this was not their portrait for their son when he graduated from college. And so we have spent some good time in the battlefield. And we verbally can really, really tussle. And those 26 years have definitely evened out a whole lot in recent years. Part of it is because by the time we were 40, we had eight kids. And the beauty of having eight children is they interrupt you so much, you forget what you're fighting about. <laughs> and so you'll be in the middle of a really huge fight and one of the kids will knock on the door again and say, hey, so-and-so, and blah, 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 and there might be stitches that need to be had, and, and you get interrupted, and when you circle back up to try to discuss what you were gonna discuss, you discover that you can't remember what you were fighting about anyway, and you move on. But we have found for us that trying to get that me and me into a we, at times has been successful, at times has been really, really challenging. Mike has a different set of leisure activities and things that he likes to chase. He's very, very much an extrovert. I actually am an introvert. A lot of people don't believe that, but I am. And so our adjustment to each other has been quite fascinating. We both come from solid marriages, solid marriages that have each lasted. My dad passed away about a year and a half ago, but he and my mom were married for almost 52 years. Mike's parents have been married now for 52, 53 um, but I think one thing that happened within the church that's really interesting, you know, I think there were times that for Mike and I, and I, I decided this isn't a bad thing, we were just scared to not continue the marriage because we didn't want to do that within the context of what the Lord teaches. And somewhere we kind of lost that as something to keep us together, didn't we? I mean, sometimes you hang in just because God says to, and that's good. Because when we got to the other side of a lot of that, what lay on the other side of being willing to hang in there was very good. In the marriages that we came from, which plays such a role in all of our marriages, 
We had parents who hung in there. And sometimes that's, that's all they did. They hung in there. But at least they did that for us. And I think that we are going to have to be really active as a generation of marriages. If we really want to impact what goes on with those students, we need some skills. Because Mike and I knew that you got married and you stayed married. Like we figured that out. But the skill set that we really needed to work through combining two lives, two big personalities, two big drives, all of that stuff, we really had to work out in the field for sure. I tell everybody that we did flunk out of premarital class. We went to a premarital class and we lasted two weeks and had such a bad fight in the parking lot that we decided not to go back to premarital class. <laughs> we got engaged, Mike broke the engagement. We were fighting so much. And so we went into a premarital counselor who said, you know, I never tell people they shouldn't get married. <laughs> but, but see, I felt like she was not unbiased because she had set her daughter and Mike up on a date. Oh. Yeah. Uh, see, what were you doing Well, that was my question. We went to Adelaide Christian University. It was called, I'm kind of an all inbred breeding program, the denomination we were part of. Um, <laughs> So we even flunked out of premarital counseling because then she had all these rules she wanted us to follow for us to really assess if we should really be married. And, and you know, we worked on that for a couple weeks and we decided, we're getting married anyway. And uh, everybody looks a little stunned at our wedding. But I do think what is so powerful to me this many years later is the power of just hanging in there. And then the power of saying, you know what, we want a love story. We don't want to just last, we want a love story. And the process the Lord has talked us through in that time and brought us through and the mentors that we've had along the way and then the desire to be able to speak something into our kids' lives for them to be able to have powerful relationships. Because I'm so keenly aware at this point, so much more is caught than taught. You can say it all day long, but man, those kids sitting on the front row of your marriage, that's how you really know how it's going, what they reflect back. Our kids now say we're like way too kissy and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Oh, is that what it's called? They call it now, but my oh. children called it lobster kissing. Well, your children need to see a therapist. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, still don't know where that came from. But um, yeah, uh, here are the categories that we'll all be voting on. Um, you have marital satisfaction, couple closeness. So how, cl you know, close is good, Enmesh isn't good. Uh, and so uh, being, being independent, having some independence is good, but being detached is not good. So it's marriage closeness, couple closeness, leisure activities. And a lot of people, when I'm going over the preparing rich for people, are, are a little surprised that, that like leisure activities makes the list, like leisure activities. Um, but you would be surprised at how, how often couples that will be a sticking point, what they do in their spare time. And keeping in mind, you don't have to love what you're doing. You just have to love the one you're doing it with. And I chant myself, that to myself, every time she drags me to Fredericksburg. Oh, yeah. And I enjoy it. <laughs> Sort of like a funnel of bunny. Uh, and then there's roles and responsibilities. Does somebody have more of a traditional role? This is what husbands do. This is what wives do. This is your responsibility. This is my responsibility. So much of that is dependent upon the home you grew up in. Uh, I have 
probably say the energy hey. just coming off some people in waves right now, actually. Um, when we first got married, I don't know why my mother took out the trash. I don't know. Could have been that I paid her, but I don't know why she took out the trash, but she did. And so when we got married, there sat the trash. And of course, Beth grew up kind of in a traditional home where the guys took the trash out. She's going, well, are you going to take the trash out? No, well, are you going to take the trash out? We had different rule books in our head. Roles and responsibilities. Uh, and then there's financial. Um, and there's cl couple flexibility. Communication is a big one. We'll be talking about that. Uh, conflict resolution, which actually is different than communication. You would think that would be the same thing, but it's really not. Uh, conflict resolution is an entirely different set of skills. And in order to do that well, you have to have a particular set of skills. Come on, movie. What is it? Taken. Taken. Thank you very much. Wow. That was my Liam Neeson. That's sad. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we're going to do, we're combining spirituality and sexuality. Um, and we'll take a, a couple of sessions on that. Uh, because of how closely those two things are actually connected. And, uh, and then the last thing we're going to do in this very room is we're going to have a ginormous date night. We're going to have tables, and we're going to have candles, and we're going to have a banquet. So if she ever says, you never take me anywhere, <laughs> you say, baby, yeah. just last Wednesday night. <laughs> I mean, it was like cloth napkins. Come on. Um, so that's how we're going to wrap this thing up. Is, uh, so those are the categories. And as you do the assessment, together but not together, um, we'll see there, you know, which of these areas uh, are the ones that need the most um, focus. And, uh, and we'll build toward that. So some of you had to come in a little bit late because you were up in the children's area getting your materials for your kids for Bible Blast, Biz, Boom, yeah, uh, so what we want to make sure we just iterate again, when you register for the class online, okay, so go look for the class on Life Austin Connect, when you register, you'll receive an email back that's going to give you a link where you can go and take the couple checkup assessment. You only have one fee you pay to take the assessment, but each of you take it, but don't take it together and don't compare answers. Your answers to us will be able to see what's happening for the group, but we will not be able to see you. We will not know that it's Pastor Randy saying that about Denise. We won't know that. It'll we, can assume a, it. we can assume it. But, but it'll be coming anonymously, but it's a way for us to see what this group needs to address real time for their marriages in this time and in this place. To wrap up tonight, there's something else though, that Jimmy and I wanted to do. And you each got one of these when you came in. It's a piece of paper. And if anybody needs extra, just let me know, and we'll run go do that. Um, did you get this piece of paper when you came in? I want y'all to kind of scooch over a little bit from your partner, but we want y'all each to individually fill out and anonymously, but we want you to answer three questions. What would you like to gain from this class? Because as I told you, since we're about transformation here, we need to move the needle on these topics. We want you to walk out of here in 10 weeks feeling like you got tools, like you got verbiage, like you got some direction to make your, your marriage even better. Some of your marriages, you may be coming in here on life support. We really want to move that needle. Some of you feel pretty good 
But there's still so much more that we can still have. Any marriage can be improved and made better and your love story more robust. So let's be clear about what you want to gain from this class for your marriage. Let, let's set a goal. What would you say is the greatest strength in your marriage? The greatest strength in your marriage. And then what is an area you'd like to see yourself and your marriage come up higher? Where is it? Come up higher. So I we would love y'all to take the next 10 minutes, take a little bit of time, split out a little bit. Also, let me just yes. throw in here. Also, if there's a specific issue or a specific question that you have, uh, and again, these are getting, I want you to fold these things over. Don't put your name on it. Yeah, don't sign them, fold it over. But if you want to ask a question, sort of anonymously, uh, maybe you thought, well, what if, and what, and I don't know about this one, I don't know. I would love, or there's this one issue, and before we get out of here, please, let's discuss this. Put that on that piece of paper, fold it over before you turn it in. Jimmy and I led a class a couple years ago called He Said, She Said. Do you guys remember? So it was for women, but Jimmy came in, we let him in. And it was incredibly powerful, the way the direction of that class changed when we went through just this simple exercise of really understanding where people were at. And then when we combine this with the assessment that you're going to be taking, it's going to be really powerful. So Carol, would you mind putting out a little mood music? And we're going to give you guys about seven minutes.